It is the 200 level, episode 282, and it is a Monday evening. Mike Carpenter, for the first time ever, bringing the 200 level to YouTube Live. Hello, YouTube Live. I got it here on my big screen. Hopefully, I can get the chat window going in a bit and see what all of you guys are saying back home. And yeah, it took us a while. There were some logistical things and some red tape, I think, but we are finally here on YouTube Live, and it looks great. Twitch was such a nice place to be. I really got to thank them for giving little guys like the 200 level a chance to get started. But the good thing about YouTube Live is that it will allow these videos to be immediately available. I used to have to download the Twitch video, get a video editor, upload it, all that. Nah, let's not worry about that. So this just streamlines everything and makes it much easier for people to find our podcast. Now, we took last week off. Other than Sunday, it was the post-Virginia podcast and vibes were good and everything was feeling pretty good around here for Illinois football. I still feel that way a week later. Apologies for not getting a podcast out. Part of it was waiting for YouTube Live and then the other part of it was we had a big gig, the band. A big gig called The Great Cover-Up where local bands cover famous or sometimes you know obscure artists. We always tend to go with more mainstream rock bands, and we went with Pearl Jam this year, and it was a great success, uh, always a good time. This year, for the first time ever, it was at the Rose Bowl in Urbana, and uh, just a great turnout and and a show we really had to prepare for. So because of that, there was a little bit less in the way of podcasting. But now, after a bye week, and Illinois ready to resume, this time against Chattanooga, we are back. And we are going to get back to the two, sometimes three podcasts a week, especially as we get into Big Ten season. All right, let's see if I can't get the uh, chat window going here. And if you guys are chatting on the YouTube live stream, I will try to get that going ASAP. It's a little bit. Aha, there we go. Live chat. Hello, live chatters. I think we're good now. Okay, so. No more dead air for the podcast listeners at home that don't really care about the YouTube thing. Uh, This is a week where Illinois has an opportunity. Hi, Ethan. Illinois has an opportunity to go three and one. And if you recall the early podcast this season, what I was talking about in terms of getting to a seven and five record was starting three and one. I presumed, as I think a lot of us did, that Virginia would be a tough game. Not the case. That Indiana would be a win. Not the case. Unfortunately, even though they're 3-0, and we all know there's some luck involved with that. But you have a chance to go 3-1, and and then you get an extra day or two before you face a Wisconsin team on the road in a game that I don't think any of us would expect to win. But at least when we wake up on October 1st, we have an 11 a.m. kickoff that is somewhat meaningful. And... I think it'll be a competitive game. I know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. No, no, no. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, three times, a million times. Yeah, shame on me. But I think with an impressive performance against Chattanooga after this extended break, there would be reasons to think that this team does, in fact, have some consistency brewing. The one thing that we all know can derail this would, of course, be turnovers and mistakes. And that's where I want to start for what I need Thursday night from this team. I need a clean game. That's it. A clean game. And I think if they do play a clean game, the score margin will take care of itself. But if you run into the same issues that you did against Indiana and that you did against Virginia, three, four turnovers, a bunch of penalties, then there might be concern that this is not as easily correctable as we would hope. I'll even take the word easily out of it. Let's just say correctable 
there's enough veteran players on this team where these things shouldn't be happening at the clip that they're happening. Chattanooga provides you an opportunity against a pretty decent FCS team. It's 3-0 and right now. It gives you a, an opportunity to kind of clean those things up ahead of a game where you must play clean at Wisconsin. And I'll even take it further than that. Against Iowa and against Minnesota, same thing. I think that you need to play clean games against these teams that you might consider the Iowa and Minnesota games toss-ups. And as bad as Iowa's offense has been, I still somewhat consider that a toss-up because I've seen these things before. I was reflecting on the Ohio State game back in 2011 when Luke Fickle brought his mediocre Ohio State team into Memorial Stadium and by defense and a strong run game, they beat you, what was it, 13 to 10 or 10 to 7. It was just abysmal. Unfortunately, I could see the same thing happening against Iowa despite how mediocre they've looked so far. This is from John. Winning against Chattanooga puts Bielema at 8 and 8 after 16 games. Last coach to be 500 or better after 16 games, John Makovic. For so long, I've longed to live a John Makovic kind of era. And let's remember that John Makovic had some very good games, or very good seasons, I should say. What was it, a 9 or 10-2 and two campaign where they won the Big Ten or a share of it, and that included beating Colorado at home? I think on average won seven or eight games a year. Yeah, I'll take that for sure. But I think this also puts in perspective that BMLMA is in some ways ahead of projections, considering what he inherited and the way this program has been for the last 30 years, an opportunity to be 500 after 16 games. And John, I'm glad you brought that up. In terms of optics, that's pretty good. It gives you a chance to be three and one this season. It gives the coach a chance to be eight and eight. How many years do we see back in Turner and Zook? Even in the good years, you'd see the overall record. And if someone didn't know better, you'd have to explain to them, well, keep in mind, you know, they inherited a really bad program and they won no games the first year, two games the second. No, we don't need to do that anymore. I don't think that would hurt with recruiting either. So with Chattanooga, clean game, go three and one, scoring margin where you would like it. And on a Thursday night where it will take everything to get butts in the seats on what looks to be a chilly a nice little chill in the air on Thursday night. I'm excited for that. It's like hoodie and shorts weather. 6,000 student tickets have been given out. I hope they get their butts in the seats. A, a strong effort by the DIA when there's not a lot more you can do other than hand tickets out. For the average Joe season ticket holder, this was not a matchup that probably excited you all that much in the first place, but I do think the good weather might bring a few more people out, even if the tailgate scene isn't... Um, as rocking as it would be. You know, my dad and I were going to get there, have an hour and a half, a couple hours to sit, have a couple drinks in the lots. Very chill. It's not going to be a production like it usually is, and I think that goes for a lot. This is from John. Uh, DIA just announced 8,000 free tickets given out on Twitter. That's great. And Ethan says, everybody's getting tickets. You know what? I'm fine with that if that were to be the case. This is an opportunity to just get butts in the seats by any means possible, win impressively nine days before you play Wisconsin. And this is from Ethan. I got an email from Bobby Jones. Oh, Robert Jones. Bobby, first name basis, with an offer for two free for faculty and staff. Cool. I like that they're being aggressive with this. So it could be a sneaky fun Thursday. What I plan on doing for the podcast is getting back here, fourth quarter, something like that, and hopefully recapping and finishing up a game where Illinois looks impressive heading into that Friday and Saturday where college football has plenty of other matchups. And the Big Ten, I think, starts to really get underway. Is it this weekend? I'll have to look at the Big Ten slate later on in this podcast. 
Now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, and I want to thank you all for joining us on YouTube Live this evening, first time we've done it, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. You can get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone that were our two go-tos back in the college days. There's a reason they've been around for 16 years. I know I'm dating myself a little bit and why they are still one of the best food places, not just in Campus Town, but in Champaign-Urbana, dpdo.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, these guys are the goods. Great customer service, expert craftsmanship, and they give back to the community. As a townie, I appreciate that. They've been with us for over two years now, so we appreciate their support. How about you support them and get a free quote today for your next home exterior project at rectorconstruction.com. Dot com. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Great State Farm prices, of course, but customer service second to none, and he will be our guy for as long as he'll have us. That's brianismyguy.com. Finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. We just scheduled our furnace check. And we got a furnace check and an AC check already scheduled for the spring. Got a little bit of money off of that because of it. And if you mention the 200 level, when you contact Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, you will get 6% off your next service because they believe Illinois will win six games and make a bowl. I agree with that. I still actually think seven is pretty good. Maybe I can talk to them and see if 7% off works if Illinois gets to seven and five. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Got to thank Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And as we so often do after the formalities, I need to take a drink of this coffee here. Mm. There we go. Now, I don't drink regular coffee at night. I don't want to be up all night. Not too sensitive to caffeine, but sensitive enough. So I make decaf black coffee. I genuinely like the taste of coffee. All right, we're on YouTube Live, of course, starting this up. And this will be our new home for live streaming. We'll be back on Thursday for a fourth quarter pod, which I hope is uneventful and short and sweet and one that we can just kind of enjoy Illinois kicking some butt. Now, let me pull up the itinerary because, as you know, I've been doing my homework. I've been coming in prepared for these podcasts, unlike years past. Okay, 8,000 tickets given away. Faculty and staff getting in on the action on a cool September evening. Okay, the importance of being 3-1, and one, which I touched on a bit in the introduction, The Indiana game still stings, but it stings a lot less when you consider that the rest of your schedule looks very winnable. Three and one puts you in a position where if you simply split the home games against Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Purdue, right? Let's say you split two and two. I think we can do that. That gets you to five wins. Bear in mind, you have road games still against Nebraska and Northwestern. That's seven right there. This is not crazy talk to say seven and five is right there for you. And I'm going to take it one step further and say, if it is less than seven and five, given how bad your opponents look, could we say that's a disappointment? I think so. Because that would mean there are more losses that probably shouldn't be losses in the near future. And I don't think there's an excuse for that in year two with the talent that you have. So three and one beating Chattanooga is imperative 
as we all know, anything less would be disaster. And I don't anticipate that, and I don't think anyone should. FCS team, a good FCS program or not, this is a game where you should just outman them and be able to execute anything you really want to. And of course, like I mentioned before, play clean. But let's take this 3-1 record and then look forward to the rest of the season. If we want to break this season into three-thirds, the first third going 3-1, and one, here's the second third, and the third third, where if you go 500 in each of those, or 500 the rest of the way, that's 7-5. and five. The next four games after the Chattanooga game, Wisconsin on the road, still anticipate a loss, no shame in that. If you win at Wisconsin, let's start having some fun. Iowa at home, like I said, tougher than it would still maybe appear, knowing Iowa will make you work for every point and the recent history, but I think you finally get off the schneid against them. Minnesota is the game that kind of intrigues me. And Ethan, we'll get to that one because uh, there's a team later in the schedule that didn't look all that great. Minnesota, it's always difficult to tell, right? It seems like with Illinois and Minnesota, they've gotten into this routine where one team wins one year and another team wins the next year. And I could see that kind of back and forth ping pong thing going on between Fleck and Bielema as long as both of them are at these universities. So let's just say you lose that. Just to play devil's advocate, you split at home the Iowa-Minnesota games. I do think you get one, though. I think you get one. And then the road game after that, Nebraska. Is that right? Yes, it is. You're going to win at Nebraska. I said early this year, and when I was making my 7-5 prediction, I thought the Nebraska game would be this frustrating road loss. They're checked out. They're done. There wasn't even the bump that you sometimes get when you fire the head coach, and the interim coach gets that first opportunity, and the team really plays hard for him. I know it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma's still pretty good. But they absolutely got smoked in a game where they could have just went out there and played loose, but instead they just didn't really care to be there. They fire their defensive coordinator. So now we're just continuing to pass the buck all the way down. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's a complete mess. And I think that players are going to check out more and more. I don't expect any sort of redemptive arc for this team. They're toast. So that means in the second third of the year, two and two, anything less than that, is underperforming that would get you to five and three if you start three and one right let's go the last four games of the year two games at home to start off michigan state and then purdue Hmm, interesting you split right i mean do we buy purdue they can't run the ball they blew a game at syracuse jeff brahm seems to be sort of I know 9-3 and three last year, but this is this weird hopscotch kind of game he's got going on between good years, bad years that reminds me a bit of fat, Pat Fitzgerald, not Fat Fitzgerald. Sorry, that was a <laughs> not a Freudian slip. He's in pretty good shape for a guy his age. Sorry, Pat. Fat Fitzgerald. Harry Black would really appreciate that. No, I, I do think that Purdue is much more vulnerable than I would have thought that if they are solely dependent on the passing game, well, that happens to be Illinois' strength on defense. I think you beat Purdue, and I think the Michigan State game, as Ethan was alluding to in the chat thread, that would be one that you could consider the upset. They didn't look very good at Washington, and Mel Tucker was bound to take a step back. I think they're probably like a 7-5, and five, maybe 8-14 and 14 this year, and he will hang around that 7-8 win thing as the notch below Ohio State and Michigan. Them and Penn State, I think Michigan State and Penn State will kind of be battling for that third spot for a while. So maybe that's your upset. 
let's say one and one. Let's say you still lose to Michigan State, but you beat Purdue. Then you got Michigan on the road. Eh, nah. Michigan's really good. Now, I did find out after hanging with Kara's family, they came down for the concert this weekend, and we're actually going to go to the Michigan game now. So I'm excited about this. We're going to go up the weekend before for an early Thanksgiving with them. And what the hell? Let's go tailgate outside the big house. That's what we'll do. Do I expect a win? No. I've been twice to the big house, including the triple overtime game where you lost 65 to 63. Mm. And I was there for Lovey Smith's first year where Jeff George and that Illinois team tied them in the second half, but they still lost 42 to nothing, whatever it was. So maybe third time's the charm, but I don't anticipate that. It would be nice, though, if you go in there already with six or seven wins and know that you have Northwestern the following week. If you need to beat Northwestern to go to a bowl game, I think you will, but I'd much prefer that game to be a bonus against a Northwestern team that just lost to Southern at home. You know, in years past, I've done this thing where I project forward, and it can always be a futile exercise. I understand that. But that was with previous Illinois coaches that I didn't have as much faith in. The Lovey Smiths and the um, <laughs> Tim Beckman, why did I forget his name for a second, of the world, where they always disappointed you. There wasn't a lot of competence that you saw. And I'm seeing enough of that from this coaching staff to think they won't lose a game like that to a really bad team anymore. Yes, there was the Indiana game. I'm banking that you got it out of your system early and that there might be one more disappointment along the way. In fact, there probably will be. But this is where the Michigan State game, potentially the Wisconsin game come into play. Or if you really want to negate all this talk and if we really want to keep it simple, if you start 3-1 and and you hold serve at home, you're 7-5. and I don't know how realistic that is. But let's say Illinois comes out and plays well against Chattanooga on Thursday. That would be three very strong home performances in a row. I understand it was Wyoming and Virginia who looks to be down after they barely beat Old Dominion on Saturday, 16-14. to Yeah, I, I recognize the competition. But this team seems to be playing with a lot of confidence at home. Maybe it's just one of those things where they, I don't think, hold serve at home, but maybe they just drop one, right? If that's the case, then yeah, you can afford the bad loss on the road to uh, Nebraska or something. When all is said and done, I played this exercise because it's fun. It's fun to go down the schedule and say win-win, loss-loss, even if you aren't going to finish anywhere near to that prediction. But there are so many more variables at play here that have this team landing at 7-5 and five than 5-7, five and seven, I think. And that includes the fact that they may still make mistakes and, and be turnover-prone and have a few too many penalties and be able to overcome that. That is a concern, of course. Also a concern, the kicking game. And I don't want to be in a situation against Michigan State, let's say, where you need that one kick at the end of it to get the win, and you don't get it because you can't trust Caleb Griffin. I don't want to be in a situation where you would have a potential gimme game winner, and then the coaching staff has lost all trust in Caleb or whoever's kicking, and they decide to go for it, and then he gets stuffed, and then we're questioning that that decision. I, I don't want those post-mortems on a Sunday here thinking, oh my God, we should have won this game. It was a great opportunity, but special teams let you down or turnovers let you down. It will probably rear its head once, but I think this team is good enough to overcome that with a big win. Where you really get into awesome season territory is if you avoid the bad losses. And if you can do that, I think this team is good enough to come up and get a surprise win somewhere. Wisconsin, Michigan State. 
and then you might be looking at a potential late-win season. This could be a silly conversation to have when you consider that Indiana is still not good and you lost to them. Meaning, why should I be so confident in any of this? Why? And that's a good question. It's just this weird gut feeling I have, and I don't know if you, the listener, the viewer, however you're getting this podcast, I don't know if you have the same thing after a two-on-one start. And God knows I was just absolutely dejected after the Indiana game. But the way in which they dismantled Virginia, even if it's a bad Virginia team, and the way that they could have won that game 38-3, to some people would look at that as a glass-half-empty thing and say, well, this team is going to find ways to get in its own way. And that would be a totally valid argument. For some reason, though, I'm getting the impression that it's the opposite. That this is a team that's ceiling has still not been touched. And that if they were able to clean up things that are correctable, and that's the thing, the issues with this team, I think, are correctable. Maybe mine is kicking. I think everything else is correctable. And that you actually have some good players out there. You have good coordinators. And that these guys will find some synergy as the year goes on. And the end product, when you get into October and November, will be better than what you saw week two against Indiana. So that's my hope. And I don't think it's an unrealistic one. And if they come out against Chattanooga, doing what they need to do, then I think we'll feel still pretty good about that. Going to get to Chattanooga in a bit. I want to just talk about the Big Ten West. I think it is easy to fall into the trap, and I might do that as well, of, well, maybe you win the Big Ten West. I don't think that's the case. I still think Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota does. But if Minnesota's in play, then why wouldn't you be? And I want to get to that in a second. This is from Ethan, though. I'm the guy who thinks we're going to go 12-0 every regular season, get the offense to stop kicking themselves in the butt, and we could have a special year. Seven-plus is doable. And, Ethan, I agree with that. For us, we got to keep in mind, special is seven-plus. Purdue had a 9-3 and season last year. Purdue. It was just one of those years for them. Everything clicked. They had some talent, no doubt. And why not? Yeah, you already got a loss in the schedule, but there's really only one sure, 100% surefire loss, right? Michigan. Wisconsin probably comes after that. Michigan State comes after that. But man, it's everything else. It's right there for you. And we keep talking about we can't get out of our own way. Well, imagine if you're a Northwestern fan, all 12 of them. They lose at home to SIU. If you're a Northwestern fan, you're thinking, well, we can't get out of our own way. Okay, so we know the feeling, right? Well, who's looking worse so far, Illinois or Northwestern? That's an easy answer. Nebraska, 49-14, to gets smoked at home against Oklahoma. No reason to lose by that much, even against a top-10 team when you should be playing loose. They're done. They're toast. Fired the D coordinator. Pretty soon, they'll have no one left on that coaching staff. Players will be checked out. Players will start thinking, I want to transfer... So I'm not going to go out there and get myself hurt. I love the timing of that game. That team is just going to be in the dumps, even more so than they are now. Purdue, can't get out of their own way. Shouldn't have lost to Penn State at home. We don't know how good Penn State is yet. Shouldn't have lost to Syracuse. They were up 9-3 to at halftime. But if you were watching that game, they should have been up like 21-3. to Couldn't get out of their own way. We keep saying that about our team through three games. Imagine if you're a Purdue fan, even more. Iowa. Can we talk about the eight-hour game in Iowa City? I get home from the gig on Saturday. And I got to wind down. So I have like a nightcap. And I come down and watch some TV or listen to music. And I figure I'll watch the final drive on Big Ten Network and see what the games are like today. And what I 
turn on to is one of those campus eats shows where they go to campus locations where you you know they make greasy burgers. They actually show Dog and Suds in Purdue, which Dog and Suds of course originated here with a couple of University of Illinois guys. And then I look on Twitter and I see, oh, the Iowa Nevada game is delayed for Lightning. At this point, it's one o'clock in the morning. Finally, they get the game going again. You know, Iowa was up what seventeen to nothing. They go on to win twenty-seven to nothing. Do you think Iowa was any better after that game than before? No, they aren't. So that's right there for you. You're st- you're playing them in three weeks, right? Three weeks is all it is until the Iowa game, or I should say, two weeks from Saturday. So even less than that. Are they going to figure out their stuff offensively by then? This defense should be able to corral that team. Spencer Petrus, or however you say his last name, should not be able to carve up this Illinois defense. And the D-line is good enough to keep their run game from getting going. And you should be good enough to get 20 points. I don't think Iowa can score 20 points on you. Famous last words. Knock on wood, whatever you got to do. Wisconsin and Minnesota are the two that I think remain to be seen how good they are. They both smoked their competition. New Mexico State for Wisconsin, I think it was 66-7. to One of those laughers where they ran for God knows how many yards. And Graham Mertz, a quarterback, is okay. He's fine. Not as good as he looked, of course, the first game against Lovey Smith in 2020, but he's okay. Minnesota is the one with Morgan, a quarterback, and was it Ibrahim, a running back? Yeah, you could see them being maybe the surprise pick a la Purdue last year. But if Minnesota could do it, why not you? I don't want to just play the game where it's a head-to-head thing. Oh, you beat them last year, so therefore you're every bit as good as Minnesota. But that's fair, isn't it? I mean, talent-wise, don't you think that you're pretty similar to what Minnesota is? And coaching staff-wise, don't you feel about as good as they probably do about P.J. Fleck? Maybe even better? I mean, we say that because we don't like P.J. Fleck. That guy's a decent coach. We, we would need to be honest about that. All of that is to say, In this Big Ten West, I don't expect Illinois to win it. I still think it's a long shot. And the Indiana game really does hurt if you're talking something like that. But it does not preclude you from going 7-5 or 8-4 and and beating most of these Big Ten West teams. Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue, and Iowa probably should be wins. But even if you split that, you still have Northwestern out there. You still have maybe an upset opportunity against Michigan State at home. Yeah, you know, just playing the playing the game of outcomes here. It just seems like there's a lot on the table where you could find your way to seven wins in a variety of ways. I don't know if it's going to be topsy-turvy up and down to the degree that the first three games may indicate. If this team finds some stability, 7-5 and five is right there in a fairly scratch manner. Beat the bad teams, maybe sneak an upset to offset a bad loss. And there's 7-5 and five right there. How over the moon would you be at 7-5? and five? I would be ecstatic. Knowing that this is a program that still needs to be built. Knowing that it, it takes time and yet you're seeing returns far earlier than you did in any previous regime. 7-5, and five, I'd be over the moon. And as Ethan said in the text thread here, any more than that, like Purdue's 9-3 and three last year, it feels special. I know that Josh Whitman, after the 6-6 uh, six and six season with Lovey Smith, I think he used the term special season in a write-up about the Red Box Bowl, and boy, did that piss me off. Like, I was like, it's not special. It's not. It was fun and weird, but it was not special. Well, and Chief Oski, as you say, I'll take 7-5 and five every year. As the old kind of joke goes with Illinois fans, that's the thing you build statues for. I think that Bielma is the guy that can get to the 7 
on average, eight on average. I'll take Glenn Mason at Minnesota at this point. Okay. I, that's all I need. I don't need much more than that. And I do think that you can get more because if we're talking about Illinois football history and which coaches have the best pedigree and which coaches have you trusted the most, I know that's a skinniest kid at fat camp kind of argument here because there's been so many bad coaches. But in my life, boys have been slim pickings. And I know McAvick was mentioned earlier. I think, John, you mentioned Bielema can go 500. First guy to do that after his first 16 games since McAvick. I think we have a McAvick thing going here. And if so, I think it is less likely that Bielema moves on in this name image likeness era where Illinois seems to be playing all the cards right with that and the alumni base is there and the donors are there to pay him what he needs to if he's successful and you want him to stay. We don't need championships. We don't. We just need seven or eight ones a year. Now, here's the thing, and this is why I feel better about the future of Illinois football with Bielema. He's not content with seven or eight wins. Not what he did at Wisconsin. It's what got him fired at Arkansas. While we as fans that have lived this for 30, 40, even more years, however old you may be, and seven or eight wins a year seems like, wow, that'd be amazing. That's not his MO. And it's good to feel as if the coaching staff has higher aspirations than you do. I know every coaching staff does, but the thing is, Beal has done it before. And you could say it was at Wisconsin inheriting what Barry Alvarez had. No, he was still doing it five or six years into his Wisconsin tenure. That was not Barry Alvarez's program as much at that point. And I know Alvarez built it up initially, but man, Bielema was good early, middle, at the end of his Wisconsin tenure. And yeah, things happened. He was an arrogant young brute and he wanted to go make more money. And okay, fine. And uh, it didn't work out at Arkansas, but I would still take what he did at Arkansas. I mean, I'm, I'm not asking for much. Okay, so that's where Illinois football stands. And Thursday, looking forward to it more than I thought I would be. I think we'll have a decent enough turnout. One where you walk in the stadium, and unlike the Virginia game, I didn't go to the Virginia game. But boy, do those pictures not look good. And yeah, maybe the east side doesn't look good on Thursday either. But I could imagine that first half being sneaky fun. Maybe get some explosive plays on offense that you started to see against Virginia. It seems like every game that's gone by, there's a few more that you see. Some connections brewing between DeVito and Pat Bryant or DeVito and Brian Hightower. You see the usage of the tight ends. I thought that was great in the red zone against Virginia. And you got a star running back that can break it for a touchdown almost any time. A pick six, you're due for that. This defense is all over the place. I do have the Chattanooga stats if you want a little context. Now, I, I will pull up the schedule to see how they're 3-0. and They have outscored opponents 36 points to 11 points a game. Uh, the bulk of their offense comes from, let's see, 185 yards rushing per game and 250 yards passing per game. Time of possession, um, you know, this is what I'm looking at, actually, because this is what Illinois has been so good at this year, and it didn't win in that Indiana game, and it should have. Somehow you're playing with pace on offense and still winning the time of possession, like 33 to 27 in a lot of these games. Ethan, I'm impressed by that. <laughs> I'm teaching that day, so I can't start the tailgate at 7. And I am taking the day off Friday because we're going to Nashville for the weekend. Looking at the moccasins, other things, it looks like, okay, good offense, good defense, 
based on their schedule. Who have they played? Let's check and see. Wofford, 31 to nothing. Then at Eastern, they won 38 to 20. North Alabama last week, 41 to 14. Another factor, it's a short week for them. You have more time off. I think that helps. So Big Ten Network, 7.30 on Thursday night. And let's have some fun. Let's have a sneaky good time. And I think the turnout will be surprising. Yes, I know, low expectations. A couple more schedule notes for Illinois football. They have the Wisconsin game at 11 a.m. on October 1st. I like the early starts for away games. God, if you win. You know, it wouldn't be the world's biggest upset, but I, I would be disappointed if we go up there and get our butts kicked. That's for sure. I, I got to think that if this revenge tour thing is actually a thing, seeing how they performed against Virginia, even if Virginia just sucks, Illinois came out, other than a few turnovers early, ready to play and really smacked them in the mouth. I'll be anxious to see that against Wisconsin. And then the Iowa game, they're calling hail to the orange out. Wear orange. Hey, the timing's great for it. Early October, weather should be just pristine, should get a good crowd. Three and one means that at worst you're three and two against Iowa. That's all you need to be. If you're four and one, oof, not a sellout if you're four and one, but I could see that inching past 50,000 people. And that would be a buzz around the stadium, the likes which we have not had in a while. I think we get the game time for that one next week. All right, that's what I got for Illinois football on this Monday evening. I wanted to hit up the Illinois basketball schedule because we've yet to do that. It got released a week, week and a half ago, and it's just fun to look at. I mean, we're, we're closer than you would think, which we always say as we get into September, but we are really about a month away from the first action at the State Farm Center as I pull this up here. Okay. So it all begins on Friday, uh, October 28th against Quincy, an exhibition game at home. So we are basically six weeks away from that. Eastern Illinois is your first game that actually counts on Monday, November 7th. Kind of full circle when you consider how the Underwood era started. Kansas City and Monmouth. Monmouth? Ugh, whatever, however you say it. Three games in eight days at home to kind of warm things up. Before, a couple big ones. UCLA on Friday, November 18th. So, as I mentioned before, going to the Illinois-Michigan game, that means when we're at my sister and brother-in-law's place, sister-in-law and brother-in-law's place in Ipsy, we'll be watching Illinois-UCLA that night. And, hey, first big test, followed by Sunday against Baylor or Virginia. So two huge games with Illinois-Michigan football sandwiched in between. God, if you can somehow get two wins that weekend between those between the revenue sports, if you can get three wins, that'd be an all-time weekend, but two, you'd still feel great. Lindenwood at home is a warm-up for Syracuse, Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then you get your early Big Ten games at Maryland, December 2nd. I forget who their coach is. Not sure. And then Penn State at home. Now, this is a team as high as I am on them. I could see them still slipping a bit early. And I'm going to try to exercise patience this year in a way that I did not last year. I think that'll be easier knowing that it is a younger team with new pieces with that context, I won't be as jumpy as I was with all the veterans coming back last year. But let's just say you go 2-0 and is probably more likely because I don't think Maryland's going to be very good this year. 1-1 one and one at worst because Penn State, I don't know, do you believe in Shrewsbury? I think that's his name. I, I don't know. He seems fine. But that's a pretty nice way, all things considered, to start off the Big Ten season. 2-0 and would be great, just like you did, I think, last year. 
Okay, Texas. Sandwiched in between that at Madison Square Garden on a Tuesday. I don't know if that's a tournament or some random thing. I think it is associated with the tournament. Alabama A&M, uh, Missouri on Thursday, December 22nd. God, how bad are they going to be this year? I would think about going down there, but what's the point? You know, what's the buzz of that thing anymore? Bethune-Cookman. Man, I haven't seen those guys on the schedule in a while, it feels like. That's a kind of standard non-con. Now let's get in the meat of the Big Ten Conference schedule in 2023. At Northwestern, win. Wisconsin at home, win. At Nebraska, win. Michigan State at home, you know what I want to say. I want to say win. At Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio State at home. At Wisconsin, Nebraska, at Iowa, Minnesota, Rutgers at home, at Penn State, at Indiana, Northwestern, Ohio State on the road, Michigan at Purdue. Here's how I view it. The single plays it looks to be are Iowa. Uh, are you at Michigan this year? You are not at Michigan. How about that? That's a break. So you get Iowa once on the road. You get Michigan once on the road. You get Michigan State once at home. That's a break. And, oh gosh, I'm trying to think here. In other words, this is an easier schedule than we may think. You do get two against Indiana, and I understand that in a lot of people's eyes, they are the favorites in the Big Ten. I don't see it, but whatever floats your boat. But those games will still be big, and that's a Saturday in Bloomington and then a Thursday night at the State Farm Center. So you just split with them. I think you're in pretty good shape there. Ohio State is another team that I think people are sneaky high on. You do play them twice. Looking at other single plays here, I think you only get Purdue once on the road. Kind of a shame for this year where their backcourt is going to be very suspect. That's the last game of the year, and I would hate to think that you go in there needing a win. Even if they're mediocre by Purdue standards, it just sucks to play there. I would hate to think that your Big Ten title would rely on a win there. Though, it will probably come down to, if not the Purdue game, the one before that at Michigan. On Thursday, March 2nd, the Big Ten recognizes this is a burgeoning rivalry. It's just a damn shame that we don't get them. Is that right? We don't get them at home. Damn shame. Oh, yes, you do. I'm sorry. Michigan is at home on March 2nd, and it looks like you do not play at Michigan. So how about that? Iowa at Iowa is a single play. Michigan at home is a single play. Michigan State at home is a single play. Those are breaks. And... I think that this team's schedule is laid out for them to win at least a share of another Big Ten title. I don't know what other teams are going to be in the running. If Wisconsin's in it, again, I'm just going to vomit. I can't do it anymore. It needs to end. It has to end. It drives me insane. I could see Ohio State. I think that Holtman is due for a a consistently good year. I think some Ohio State fans are not fed up, but they're just not really sure where he's going with that program. I think he's a pretty good coach. I, I think he's got something going that still has not quite coalesced into something truly great. But bear in mind, two years ago, they got a two seed in the tournament. I know that they lost to, what was it, Oral Roberts, but what Big Ten team didn't disappoint in that tournament? I could see them making a run. I could see Michigan State. I see, I'm, I, that's, that's really it. It seems like a battle of attrition through much of the Big Ten. And while I understand people not being, outside of Champaign-Urbana, not being completely on board with the Illinois thing because of all the unknowns or the new pieces, I just don't know of a Big Ten roster that's better than you. I don't. And I also think, as much as I love Kofi, okay, Kofi is an all-time Illini legend, 
but there is a certain way where you're kind of required to play with Kofi on the court. That is not the case with this team. And while there might be bumps early, I think they're early enough that come January and February, you'll be figuring things out. I do think these freshmen are going to be special. Uh, and that is part of the equation here for me to say that this Illinois team is going to win a Big Ten title when you'd say, well, how many minutes are you devoting to freshman players? But I do think that when a guy like Jaden Epps goes relatively forgotten about, maybe not by everybody, but you know, we're talking more about Sky Clark and Ty Rogers. Well, there's Jaden Epps. Sincere Harris might actually play a little bit too. We don't talk about Luke Goody anymore because R.J. Melendez came on so strong. Luke Goody's a pretty good player. God, I feel like I'm forgetting the other guy that came in with that class. Who was it? R.J. Melendez, Luke Goody, there's one more. Ugh, I feel silly for not remembering. Coleman Hawkins, you're kind of banking on that next step. Terrence Shannon Jr. is a stud. Uh, Dane Danger at center. God, who am I forgetting? It's just It seems like an embarrassment of riches anytime I look at this roster. And as we get closer, we'll get more into it. I, I talked earlier this episode about the Illinois football schedule and and doing this silly exercise, admittedly silly, of win-loss, win-loss. But as I look at this Illinois schedule in totality and I look at the Big Ten, I think, you know what? It's right there for them. It's right there for them. And you are the team to beat. And I think a lot of Big Ten coaches might feel the same way. And I mentioned earlier as well, the name-image likeness thing. I I mentioned it in context of keeping a guy like Bielema because you're going to have as many resources as a lot of other schools. And that, in other words, Bielema would only leave for like a blue blood program. And if so, that's great. That's a good problem to have. But I don't see a lateral move like he did from Wisconsin to Arkansas. Puzzling at the time, I I still wouldn't see that happening because Illinois could ante up if it came down to it. And he is having success. When it comes to basketball, the reason that I'm as high on this team and going forward with Brad Underwood, it seems like very quickly he got it. From the transfer portal to the name image likeness, he gets it. Not every coach does. I don't know if Izzo is going to completely flame out as he got a really high-level recruit for either, I think, next year's class. But I do think that Brad Underwood knows how to play this game. And now that everything is kind of out in the open, he doesn't need to kind of pussyfoot around here. He can just be Brad Underwood, the Bill Selfian-like recruiter. And he has He has bags of money that he can't literally give the kids, of course, but that he'll be able to say, Kofi Coburn made this much in the first year of NIL. And I don't know what that amount is, but I'm guessing it's sizable. How would you like to make even more? To me, it seems like a no-brainer if you're in a recruiting battle with other programs that may, for example, put football as a higher emphasis. It is clear with Whitman and clear with Underwood that they kind of know how to navigate this. And I've, I got to give them credit for that. Between the Illinois Guardians thing, which I still don't know a whole hell of a lot about, but the fact that you have these donors kind of going in and pulling their money and resources together, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And I do think that that bodes well for this program going forward, for both men's basketball especially, but also for football. And uh, yeah, I, here I am doing this podcast where early on, I remember a podcast called The Most Consequential Year. And this is back in 2019. And that was how we kicked off the 200 level. That was Brad Underwood's third year and Lovey Smith's fourth. We made a bowl game with Lovey, so he stayed. You would have made an NCAA tournament with Underwood, COVID. And it was certainly a consequential year. 
But even as good as I felt after you made the bowl game before you lost to California, because that was an ugly game. And even as good as I felt uh, down the stretch of that Big Ten run with that Illinois basketball team, it doesn't compare to where I feel or how I feel right now with where these revenue sports are at. And it's, it's a luxury. What can I say? I mean, this is something we haven't had in a long time. And if I'm being honest, in my lifetime, any time that I felt like Illinois football was on the right footing, I should have also known that it was kind of fleeting. I don't get the fleeting sense with Bielma that I did with Turner and with Zook. And while all of our hopes were high after the Rose Bowl in 07 or the Sugar Bowl in 01, it also wasn't shocking when things completely went to crap. The reason why we were so dejected when they went to crap is because we'd seen that story before. With the feeling gone that the bottom is going to drop out at some point with football and the feeling back that Illinois basketball is amongst the top Big Ten programs, if not, I mean, what Big Ten basketball program would you trade places with right now? I wouldn't make the trade. I'm staying I'm staying pat. I'm going with this Illinois basketball team. And I had not felt that way for, well, since 2005, though the writing was on the wall for future years, but certainly the early 2000s. It's a good place to be. And I appreciate you guys tuning in and kind of riding this positive wave with me. Isn't it nice? Positive carp, as we used to call it on 93.5. He does, in fact, exist. And he is happier than ever before right now. So as we close up on this Monday evening, first time on YouTube Live, and thank you for those who tuned in. Thank you for those who started subscribing to YouTube Live. We had to get to 50. We're up to like 70 plus now and building it back up to the the Twitch levels that had, I think, 130, 140 subscribers. Yeah, we finally got the go to broadcast on YouTube Live, and this is where we will stay. The podcast will be immediately available. So appreciate that. Now, before we get out of here, reminder, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. Get a free quote for your next home exterior project at rectorconstruction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. brianismyguy.com. And Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Get 6% off your next furnace check. It's time to get that scheduled. We did when you contact Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. All right, got to thank Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Got to thank you, the listener and the viewer, however you get the podcast. Uh, If you could, drop us a line on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I don't know if YouTube does reviews or not. But we do appreciate the chat thread, and we will be back Thursday night with a brief podcast because I only need to get some shut-eye before we go to, uh, I bet said Nebraska. We are not going to Nebraska this weekend. Why would I take the trip to Nebraska? We're going to Nashville. First time I've ever been there. My morning jacket, great band on Friday night. Saturday, uh, Kara is surprising me with a day trip of uh, all the cool sights and sounds in Nashville. As she knows, I'm not really in the touristy things. I want to see the crappiest country western dive bar in Nashville. I want to eat at a hole in the wall that has Nashville hot chicken. Right? I want the authentic, not the bachelorette and bachelor parties on Broadway. They they can have the Kid Rock bar and all that. No, I want to see dirty Nashville. So excited for that and also excited for Thursday night in what should be, I think, a very workmanlike, efficient performance from Illinois that when we leave the stadium, we're feeling pretty darn good. All right. We'll see you Thursday night for a short and sweet episode. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you soon. It is the 200 level. 